You're listening to Recovery Survey, the podcast that shatters stigmas around different types of addictions and takes a deep dive into spiritual principles. I find a lot of wisdom that come from your show. You interview different people and I know you just do an overall good job and you're a blessing to recovery in general. So I want to make that very clear for the record that I love the movement that you have, what you're doing, you're saving lives and you're educating and informing people. I think that's important. I want to thank my friends at Recovery Survey for giving me the opportunity to talk to them about my recovery journey. Thank you for having me on uh, the new podcast that you just developed, which is unbelievable, Recovery Survey Podcast. I really appreciate what you're doing and, and been doing and continue doing. My guest today is the fabulous Harriet Hunter. She is the author of Miracles of Recovery, Daily Meditations of Hope, Courage, and Faith. Welcome to the show. Well, hi, everybody. My name is Harriet Hunter. My married name is Harriet Harer. And to my friends, I go by Beth. Boy, is that a mouthful, isn't it? My name is Harriet. Let's say Harriet Hunter. Why? Because you may, some of you may recognize me from my book, Miracles of Recovery, but my friends call me Beth. So I wanted to open this session a little bit different than I normally do by, you know, saying I'm a drunk and this is what happened and what it's like. I'll get to that, but. I want to let you see who I am today. And today's read from my book is a great example of where we're all trying to go. I think we're all trying to get to this place, and it's called Be Who You Are. So today's read starts out the truth about me. I was always in a frenzy of people pleasing. And while I thought I wasn't a doormat, My actions really kind of proved otherwise. Fear and insecurity ruled my emotions. Each thought I had was directed outward, contrived with you in mind. I became the mental strategist, searching for the right facade to hide behind to keep you disapproving of me. If you were happy, then I'm happy too, was the adage I lived by. To be who we are is the greatest gift we can give ourselves. It means we've stripped away everything that kept us from being real, see. And while we consider the opinions and needs of others, their happiness really belongs only to them. It's their responsibility. We no longer betray the truth of who we are to please anyone other than ourselves. Genuine authenticity requires we never abandon our truth, regardless of circumstances. We avoid deception and deference to others. To defer to others is an affront to our personal integrity that we've worked so hard to achieve. 
We deserve this precious gift of acceptance and welcome with arms stretched wide the trust and confidence that comes from allowing ourselves to be real, to be authentic. Life unfolds when and how it's supposed to because we have let go of approval-seeking and manipulative behaviors. That pretty much sums up where I am today because the person that I used to be when I came into AA was a liar, a cheat, and a thief. I drank and drugged and used and acted out for 30 years. There's just not a whole lot that I haven't seen or I haven't done. So to go from that to today being a woman of integrity, and I have no secrets, see. I had to shed everything. Is just a huge, huge quantum leap. You know, I was a regular bum. We all have our drunkologues, and I'm not really going to get too much into that because my story isn't unique. I was an alcoholic addict, and when I picked up a drug, one was not enough, and a, what is it? One is too many, and a hundred would not have been enough to soothe my raging obsession compulsive mind. I was very sick, you know, um, no different than most of us before we got clean and sober. Probably um, a couple of the greatest things that ever happened to me, and this is going to really sound terrible. It's a terrible thing to say. I never grew up until I lost my husband. When my husband died in 2005, I was still, I was trying to get sober and clean, still trying to be the people pleaser. You know, I get home, kick off my shoes from work. My daughter, my husband would follow and I'd run up to the living room and ask my husband, hi, honey, how are you? Are you okay? <laughs> how was your day? And uh, give him a kiss. And then I'd run into the bedroom and, and see my daughter. And how are you, honey? Did you have a good day? And hugs and kisses. And if everybody was good, I was good. But deep down, I really wasn't practicing the program in all of my affairs. Because I was still the mom at home trying to be the perfect mother, you know, and uh, act like everything was okay. Act like I didn't have a problem. But five years later, when he died, my world really fell apart. I was home alone for the first time in my life, clean and sober. And I didn't know how to do it. I didn't get drunk, but I got emotionally insane. Enough so that I realized I had to go back to basics and I got a new sponsor and started doing all of the things that I did when I first came in the rooms. 
Um, that meant sitting and journaling every day, reading my daily readers, you know, going to as many meetings, four or five meetings a week, sticking with the winners, calling people, everything that we do when we first come in the rooms. That's what I had to do because I wanted to die again. You know, I had that deep pit in my stomach. I was very scared of what was going to happen to me. My daughter was older. We had a terrible relationship at that time. She kind of, uh, she went off the deep end when he passed away. She was 17 and a half. And so she was out doing her thing while I was trying to get it mine together. And maybe I'd hear from her one month, maybe I wouldn't. But I had to learn how to become detached with love, let her do her own thing, and imagine it was no different, if you will, than the hundreds and thousands of parents whose child was in Afghanistan or in Iraq or in Germany or, or, or. That's how I had to live my life. And I had to let her go, learn to let her go. She was a child of God now. She's an adult. And so after five or six years, she found a boyfriend who lived in Australia. They met online, right? And um, so she wanted to move to Australia. I said, who am I? That's what you want to do, honey, go. And then a couple years later, out of the blue, she said, I didn't want to tell you this, mom, but I have this terrible, deadly disease. And at first I thought she was joking. Had this thing called idiopathic pulmonary arterial hypertension. And they call it IPOC for short. There's a national organization out there. And, there's a, and at the time, there was only... 2,200 people in all of the U.S. diagnosed. So I went out to Australia and saw her. We had a great time. Um, I spent about two weeks visiting different parts of Australia and a few days with her. And then about a year later or so, I get a call from her boyfriend from Australia. It was very late at night, and he said, I just wanted to let you know she's in the hospital. Uh, she's in ICU. They have her there for observation. <laughs> observation. So I quick, as fast as I could, within 24 hours, I was on a plane. And you, you know, it takes two days to get there. When I got there, I was able to see how deathly sick she was. She was in ICU. And I spent the two most riveting weeks in my life with her in ICU. I didn't know where to go, who to stay with. I knew nothing. I just got off the plane, got there. But the series of circumstances that brought me to Australia were God-given. I was working at the time for AA Online. It's called OIAA, Online International AA. 
And it's a core group of drunks who work behind the scenes worldwide to answer people's emails and point them to meetings, regardless of where they are. It just so happened that I reached out to folks while I was preparing and said, oh my God, does anybody know anybody in Australia? I need somebody to pick me up from the airport. So one person through a friend found another friend who knew somebody in Australia, also in the program of AA, don't you know? He called me from Australia and we started communicating back and forth. He met me at the airport and took me to the hospital in Melbourne. And what a gift that was. And then from there, the miracles started. He put me in touch to, uh, with a woman in the program who called me. And every single day, I would go to a meeting. It was incredible that the hand of AA was unlike my own family. I mean, the women came out of the woodwork to take me to meetings, to be with me. Whatever I needed, they helped me. It was amazing. And two weeks there, she died in the hospital. It was There are no words to even uh, explain what that was like. All I can tell you is that were it not for the hand of AA, for my journaling, for my conscious contact with God, I don't know if I would have made it home. Because had I started to drink or drug, that would have been it. I lost my husband. Now I lost my daughter. Uh, What the hell am I here for? You know, my world was gone. So anyway, fast forward. I get home and I throw myself into the program. And something I always wanted to do was go cross country. So I bought an RV, took my dogs and spent seven weeks. I went from Florida up through Oklahoma into Colorado and then spent almost four weeks alone in Wyoming, the most beautiful place on earth. Oh, my God. I went, we went to Yellowstone. We stayed at a campsite there for a few days. We went to Old Faithful. Oh, we saw everything. And everything pretty much is out in Wyoming, you know? What's the name of that 2001 Space Oddity, that huge rock that juts up? I can't think of the name, but we stayed right at the foothills of that humongous piece of rock. And, of course, saw the Grand Tetons and stayed there and in the Black Hills in in South Dakota. Oh, my God. It was a trip. Anyway. The long and the short of that was God was with me on that trip, too. He and I composed the first draft of my book, Miracles of Recovery. And it was a way for me in those seven weeks to grieve a deep, deep grief 
of loss. And the more I wrote, the deeper my connection got with my God. It really was spiritual. So I come home and then that's how I spent my life the next five years, just writing, 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 and uh, learning to write and editing. And it's doing really well. And I'm still clean and sober today, and I'm still very active. I have a sponsor. My sponsor has a sponsor. And I help women, and all oh, this COVID thing is uh, really a test to everybody's sobriety. I'll tell you what. One of the deepest, I think, things we have to remember is AA doesn't need me or whatever program it is or however you're getting clean and sober. You're not doing it alone. The people who think for a minute they've got this program licked are the people that you hear about in the hospitals who died from an overdose. They're the people that you hear about who are in prison because I do a lot of prison work for the women. This is not a do-it-yourself deal. No way. No way. It is a spiritual deal for most of us. There are atheists and agnostics who have found a way to stay clean and sober. But I'll tell you what, by God, if they got COVID and found themselves dying in a hospital, I could almost put money on the fact that even they ask something bigger than them for help. Because it just seems to be the way when push comes to shove, you know, we find a way to get really, really real. But most of us will never get there. And so we we lean on our own devices instead of something bigger than us to get us out of the tough patches. And then we pat ourselves on the back and say, you may be a drunk, but look at how good you are. (laughs) You know, look at how great I am. Well, in my humble opinion, it's not us. It's not you. It's not me. Because left to my own devices, I'd have been dead years ago. So that's kind of my story in a nutshell. I've had a similar experience. I mean, I go to a different 12-step fellowship, but uh, mm-hmm. uh, about a year and a half ago, I lost both of my grandparents about, hmm, I think it was like nine weeks apart. Oh, boy. Oh, and my man, God. I, I felt the love of the fellowship. I really did. Just like you, like I, I went to as many meetings as I could. I had I had people from my home group coming over and checking on me, dropping off food. Oh, uh, oh my gosh. Just, but I thought it was just incredible just to see how when we go through difficult times and we go through struggles, how the people oh that are my. in our lives come together to support us. I tell us. you, amen, in just some of the most miraculous ways. Yep, yep. 
Yep, the day after my daughter died in Melbourne, I went to a meeting and shared shared my truth, man. Because I know too well our secrets keep us sick. Sicker than sick. Is there anything else you'd like to add in closing? To the newcomer, I would just like to say, you know, this is a journey unlike any other journey you will ever be on in your life. It's going to sound weird. It's going to feel weird. But the most important thing you can do is to just trust the process. You're not going to have all the answers. You're not going to be able to see the results. But other people will. And other people will tell you that you've changed. So just believe them and keep coming back. You don't ever have to leave. But your life will morph in ways you can't even begin to understand. And you'll never see coming because it's all part of your path. It's all part of your journey. And if it were supposed to be different, it would be. So just trust that you're being led by a source, a great spirit in the universe that we cannot see. And by God, you don't have to have the answers today because it's none of your business. (laughs) All right. I guess that's what I have to say to the newcomer. Just don't ever leave. Hang on. Get a sponsor. Do the deal. Trust God. Clean your house and help others. Those are the three big things that I live for today. You know, I'm still home, same home my husband and I lived in with my, with my baby. And it's huge. It's too big. But my dogs are old and I can't go. So I am just trusting that when it's supposed to happen, I'm going to know. I'm just going to know. I'll call a realtor. The timing will be right. It won't be on the market for a year. And then I'm going to intuitively know where to go to. Because I sure don't know now if I were to sell it. I'm just here for the ride. And whatever is supposed to happen is going to happen. And I trust that. When the time comes, I will know how to handle it without acting out, doing drugs, getting drunk. Would you like to remind the listeners again about the name of your book and maybe uh, do you have a website or any kind of social media platforms that you would uh, like to connect on? Oh, sure, sure. Yeah, thanks. The name of the book is Miracles of Recovery. It's a 365-day inspirational. Each page is very tight, very specific. And the book is not AA, although 
the 12 steps are identified throughout. The book is really holistic. It covers issues that anybody alive can relate to because they're topics that we face every day, such as breaking through the panic, controlling our emotions. Don't worry, be happy. (laughs) Emotional sobriety, man. That's where I almost got drunk a couple of times. Emotional sobriety. That self-righteous indignation, pride, and anger that get in the way of man. Trusting the process is, is more than one page because I believe in that to my toes. So, yes, it's selling on Amazon. It's selling on my webpage, which is harriethunter.org. I've not heard anybody say, you know, can I get my money back? But I'm here to tell you, if it doesn't speak to you in some form or fashion, I absolutely would give you your money back. I just wanted to let you know, too, that there is, for those who don't know, a wonderful site online called In The Rooms. Intherooms.com. They are the single largest recovery place online in the world with over 700,000 members, okay? Over 700,000. They have meetings. If they don't have a meeting for you, then it doesn't exist. Let's put it that way. They've got over 130 meetings a week that they put up. One of them is mine, Miracles of Recovery, every Sunday at 2 o'clock. I just approached them to do a 12-step and 12-tradition that I'm waiting to hear about. But it is something. I mean, they've got agnostic meetings, AA, Al-Anon, Celebrate Recovery, ACA meetings, OA meetings, SA meetings. I mean, they've got it all. So, yeah, I just wanted to let your fellowship know that they exist. They're out there. And it's a great place, especially now with COVID. Harriet, thank you so much for being on the show and being so vulnerable and telling us about your journey in recovery. You can find out more information about Harriet at harriethunter.org. As always, the links will be in the show notes. Thanks again. You've been listening to Recovery Survey. If you got anything out of today's episode, I'd ask you to please leave us a five-star review and share this episode with a friend. If you'd like to get in contact with us, you can find us at recoverysurvey.com. You can listen to all of our episodes on the website as well as connect with us on social media where you can get previews for upcoming episodes. Hey guys, I wanted to let you know about an exciting new partnership with Broken Chains Apparel. They're a custom online shirt retailer that designs cool shirts for people in recovery. They want you to be proud of your recovery and wear it boldly. They're offering our listeners a 20% discount. All you have to do is use the promo code recovery at checkout. Go grab your shirts today at brokenchainsapparel.com and follow them on Facebook and Instagram at Broken Chains Apparel.